0: Gory days are here to say The 80s horror show. Take a stroll down every sleigh. It's time to start the show. The 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 gory days. 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 Welcome to The Gory Days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies from the 1980s and beyond. I'm, I, I don't have much of a sweet tooth. Uh, I don't really, like, gorge on anything, really. The one caveat I have is my sweet, delectable, sticky-icky Cinnabons. Oh, my God, I will drive upwards of 30 minutes to any mall that promises Cinnabuns. Um, which has made quarantine particularly tough for me. The reason I bring all of this up is because the movie we're talking about today is 1985's The Stuff, which revolves entirely around a tasty yogurt-esque, cool whip-looking treat that just goes over my head. Honestly, like the, the craze and everything of this show, I've never been a person who just, like, becomes so crazy addicted to a food in that way. Believe me, I've pulled, you know, all-nighters playing video games or uh, movie marathons and stuff like that. I have my vices, (laughs) Cinnabons notwithstanding, but food... Has never really been a big a big thing for me. Whereas, the people in this movie are going crazy over this stuff. If you haven't seen this stuff, obviously, uh turn this off and watch it. It's on Amazon. But the stuff, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to end up saying the stuff just incidentally a lot. But the stuff in the stuff looks pretty good. The way that they're eating it, it looks like it might be Greek yogurt or something. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. Welcome to the Gory Days. Your host Kyle Leone for another week here. And what a week it is. We were talking about, as I said, 1985's The Stuff... So last week, it was a little bit different. I did my little watch-along with Child's Play, which was (laughs) really fun and a lot easier to do, frankly. Um, So I think I'll be doing some more of those. And the week before that, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was also a little different. My How the Hell, What the Hell Just Happened segment went on a little differently. So we're making ever more changes to the gory days, but it doesn't matter because you're listening to this 10 years from now. Hi, Kyle, 10 years from now. How tall are you? This stuff was released on June 14th, 1985, written, produced, and directed by the great Larry Cohen. Who? Yeah, no, no worries. I, I was born in 1991, and I know the movie directors and actors and studios that happened to come across my uh, desk, if you will, and Larry Cohen is not one of them. So don't worry if you didn't know who this guy is, and if you did and you're mad at me, I don't care. Larry Cohen directed three black exploitation films from 1972 and 1973. Don't, don't, don't feel too bad. That's just what you do. You gotta, you gotta start somewhere. He pivoted to horror in 1982 with Q, another movie that I was really close to watching. Just cause the, the like log line for it. You should look up Q from 1982 starring Michael Moriarty and read that log line. I, I'll probably cover that in a future episode, but, um. He pivoted to horror, kind of more like sci-fi with uh, that movie in 1982. After directing A Return to Salem's Lot in 1987, he concentrated mainly on screenwriting and i love this he wrote between 2002 and 2009 he's credited with writing four films that made it to picture and they're all about cell phones uh or phones the first one in 2002 was phone booth with colin farrell where he's stuck in a phone booth the whole movie takes place where he's stuck in a phone booth and uh, he's on the phone with someone who's like if you leave this phone booth i i will kill you i have a sniper like on your head and if you leave this phone booth and hang up this phone i will kill you that one was fun there's uh, Cellular, he also did, in 2004, which is um, that movie where the woman, she's, like, the uh, people break into her house and lock her up in the attic, but she has access to her cell phone, and so she tries to, like, get a text out. But then the kidnapper or the, the people who break in find her, and they break the phone, but she's smart enough to, like, hotwire it and uh, send a message to her family. Um you know a real a real in-depth understanding of what cell phones are and what they're capable of next was captivity in 2007 and then he finally followed that up with messages deleted in 2009 very cell phone focused and then unfortunately he passed away in march of 2019 at the ripe old age of 82 so larry cohen we have you to thank for this weird comedy horror that is more interested in just being a satire on like capitalism and american consumerism more than a horror in any regard but I digress. As I mentioned this movie was written, produced and directed by Larry Cohen, a real passion project of his and stars Michael Moriarty, SNL's Garrett Morris, Andrea Marcovici and Paul Sorvino. Paul Sorvino of course I know from Family Guy joke and I think he's a singer. He sings. He's la la that's that's Paul Sorvino. <laughs> he plays a right-wing nutjob in this movie. Anyway, New World Pictures Company, when they hired Larry Cohen to direct a horror movie, they were probably expecting a movie closer to his 1974 horror film, It's Alive, or its follow-up sequel, It Lives Again, or even Q. But instead, they got a version of Larry Cohen's Full Moon High <laughs> which is basically Teen Wolf, Full Moon High. I'll let you sit and guess what the premise is for that. But anyway, I mentioned this movie stars Michael Moriarty, 6'4", tall motherfucker, as David Moe Rutherford, this like saw uh, this like uh, Savannah, smooth-talking, kind of like a industrial spy who's going to come in and finagle you and say everything he needs to to just get you to wring out your guts and I'm going to get the ice cream industry to take you down stuff andrea Markovicci as nicole full stop doesn't even get a last name even though she's introduced as the director of a commercial and the inventor of the marketing campaign for the stuff she invented the name the stuff but oh well doesn't even get a last name they treat her like shit in this movie uh, as i mentioned also SNL's Garrett Morris plays Chocolate Chip Charlie. Oh good lord. I can feel Larry Cohen's black exploitation showing. Paul Sorvino, la la la, Paul Sorvino as Colonel Malcolm Gromit Spears. Scott Bloom as Jason the eyes on this kid him and his brother so uh brian bloom and scott bloom are two real world brothers that they cast for this movie to be jason and jason's brother doesn't even get a name (laughs) but um i was surprised to find out that scott bloom maintained uh a level of stardom whereas brian bloom is a voice actor in his own right and in fact has been the voice of captain america in a lot of video games and cartoons and stuff so it's funny looking back at this kid with these giant piercing blue eyes while he's playing um uh, in television or he's got his 3d glasses or on whatever thinking oh wow that's the voice of captain america he doesn't even know it yet this dumb kid (laughs) and we got danny aiello as mr vickers this guy who gets eaten by his doberman uh alex scorby as evans and patrick o'neill as fletcher anyway for those of you who don't know what the stuff is, it's this thing that comes out of the freaking ground. Let's just start at the beginning. What is the stuff? It's a th- it's like a naturally occurring substance that bubbles up out of the ground. It is pure white as the driven snow. Creepy, creepy. And the dude, the first dude that tastes it. The movie opens with like the intro of the stuff, and it's just this innocuous hole in the ground that that frankly looks like it looks like it's molten the the instinct to touch it and eat it is so foreign to me if I were walking around if this was my job this this like late night I'm just doing my rounds around the the mine mine yard uh, and I saw a hole in the ground that was bubbling up some stuff I would probably cover my nose and run and alert somebody of it because nine 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 times out of ten that stuff is like Methane or uh, sulfur or uh, some kind of toxic uh, molten gas that's coming up. But instead, let's pretend that I have no brain and I would walk up to this bubbling... (laughs) It's so gross. I I can't even put myself in that mindset, but let me try. Oh, what's this? Oh, it's some white goo coming out of the floor. Hmm. I was raised in a home... That that values adventure and risk-taking. And uh, damn it, that hole is not going to make an idiot out of me. I'm going to get down in there and I'm going to take a big scoop on my finger. I'm going to smell it first, of course, because I'm not a monster. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it tastes pretty good. <laughs> oh, my buddy's coming over. I should tell him how good it is. I should tell him we should sell this stuff. There's so much of it coming out of the ground, we could sell this stuff. Flash forward to whatever. The movie's so confusing. It's like we skip to where the stuff is already like a household name and more than a commodity. It's like there are some people that just have like a single uh, pint that they eat. There's other people that seem to be like seem to have entire like rooms filled with it. But but. It's still like a product that you can buy on the store at the grocery store, and you can go out to like the 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 brick and mortar store that they have. I guess it's like ice cream. Uh, like if I were to go out to the grocery store and buy ice ice cream, uh, I could also go to the ice cream parlor and get the same ice cream that I would be getting at home. Like. I, 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 <laughs> It still feels kind of weird because it's just this, like, goop. It's just this pudding. Like, uh, there's no better way I can describe it. It's got, like, this sour cream Cool Whip uh, uh, consistency to it. But the way they eat it, it's almost like Greek yogurt. That's the only thing I keep coming back to is, is, (laughs) is the only thing in real life that I could see myself eating in, like, quantities enough. Like, oh, a whole pint of Greek yogurt? I think I've done that before. But this is my main problem with the movie is we start right after the discovery of it and snap straight to the uh, kid, Jason, like seeing it move. So there's no mystery anymore. If there was any like, oh, I don't know if this is a good thing that the audience that you might be experiencing, it's erased as soon as we see it move. And Jason's like trying to protest to his dad and say, no, I definitely saw it. And his dad spanks him to bed and eat some for himself but that moment just totally erases any question for me i now know that the stuff can move and there's something suspicious about it (sighs) the other half of that is that after the kid sees it move and i guess like a little bit before that I don't know. He seems suspicious of it before he starts so high. He starts so high on how evil the stuff is and how he needs to do everything he can to make sure that no one gets the stuff. He goes to the uh, grocery store and (laughs) it takes three grown men to subdue this kid from vandalizing all of the stuff displays to make sure no one else can eat it. But he starts at like a 10 and everyone else in the movie is at a one going like the stuff is good. It's good for you. It's a normal thing. And I, the viewer, am left stuck in the middle just wondering what the heck am I to believe? I saw it move, but it's in everyone's home. And the movie keeps trying to imply that there's like a mind control element to it, that, ooh, the more stuff you eat, then the more it mind controls you and you're already lost. But the ending of the movie is undermines all of that. There's one radio broadcast that goes out and everyone who's been eating the stuff instantly a believes the radio broadcast that the stuff is evil and b listens to it and 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 throws their stuff away i thought they were under mind control because here in the beginning of the movie it's heavily implied that jason's parents are like succumbing to the stuff the more stuff they eat the more you see that that's all they're eating and that's all that's in the fridge (laughs) but but The movie even plays fast and loose with that because when we see uh, Jason's parents in like the throes of the stuff, they still have their interests. They still retain the uh, want to read a book or, or check out 3D glasses or watch their son play in television. Or ColecoVision or whatever. It is. So it's like they still retain a little bit of their humanity. What would have been so bad if they had just kept eating it? Well, the movie tries to answer that, too, with a couple of stupid people, namely the Postman, the first and most confusing death in the movie. Um, or the second death. I guess Di- Danny Aiello gets eat or gets attacked by his Doberman. (laughs) But uh, the Postman is the most confusing one. Because when Mo Rutherford and Chocolate Chip Charlie go to the Postman in um, that run-down town in Virginia, (laughs) the Postman's acting real weird and really shifty. And then at one point he's like, excuse me. I have to go to the bathroom (laughs) and he like slinks away. And then the funniest shot is we hold on the door and the postman look like is going over to the door, but he's looking over his shoulder like 30 times to go like, Oh, Oh, I hope I'm, I hope I'm being sneaky. Hope they don't see me. (laughs) And uh, when we see him later, he's like hollowed out it's one of the cooler shots in my opinion is when the stuff is sliding out of that room up the window and out the windowsill and then mo and chocolate chip charlie run back in and he's been hollowed out like he's supposed to be just this like empty husk but then once they leave the post office the stuff comes back into the room and fills the postman back up so it's, I can only assume that the postman is supposed to be an example of people who are like all the stuff. There's no more of them left. They're literally just full of the stuff, kind of like the uh, Danny Aiello's Doberman. Uh, what was his name? Like Mr. Vickers Doberman. I think it's just if you eat enough of the stuff, which by the way, enough is never enough. If you need enough of the stuff, then you become the stuff. That's kind of uh validated by when Mo punches Mo and Chocolate Charlie are punching some just random people, I guess, that are chasing them. They like punch their face off and there's uh stuff coming out like the stuff has somehow rotted them or that like they're they're rotting away from the inside. I feel like I'm making this movie sound better than it is. It's not. It's so freaking like cartoonish honestly at times like i said the movie is more interested in being a commentary a comedic commentary than a horror movie so the suspension of disbelief is hard to maintain because we've established that this thing is like hypnotically addictive and there's even some throwaway lines that you can't even let it touch you or 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 you'll succumb to the stuff. But then why hasn't it taken over the world by now? How come it's not, it's like popular, it's kind of popular, it's popular like Coke is popular, but how come it's not like hyper taking over the world by now? How come it's not replacing other foods and water and things like that? Like the stuff is supposed to be hypnotically addictive and quasi sentient but it's stupid it's not even it doesn't even have the ability to maintain its form and then like uh cu- extend onto another person when chocolate chip charlie tries to establish exactly that by going into a private like studio booth with um uh, nicole he like rips open and in that moment it really feels like oh he's gonna spit the stuff onto her or something and he's gonna infect her but he'll still remain nope He just explodes, and the stuff just kind of gets all over the place, and that's the stuff's, like, M.O. If you really want to, if your headcanon, like my headcanon is, that the stuff is sentient but dumb as shit, then this is what the stuff does. Its goal is to get into you in such enormous quantities that you die. That's it. It has no plans for world domination and has no interest in um, copying as many people and, I don't know, like unifying uh, the, the stuffies. <laughs> that's right, that's what they call them in the movie is people who have succumbed to the stuff are stuffies. No, no no, grand plan to amass all of the stuffies' manpower to one goal in making like a spaceship or some kind of like super bomb or something. Or there's, there's, no, there's barely an effort to dig up more of the stuff. We do see uh, the factories, later it's implied to be the same hole that the stuff was coming out of is now this like giant few lakes of it but they're not even that big i call them lakes but they're more like ponds there's just these like little ponds of it and i have to imagine that this stuff were intelligently sentient its goal would be to incept people's minds with a with an ulterior motive of getting their manpower to produce something that it never could it can like we, we see that it's sentient enough that it can like fling itself onto somebody's face it can hide inside a fucking pillow <laughs> there's a scene where uh nicole and uh, mo are in a hotel room and the the it's revealed that the bed was full of the stuff and it like surprises them and tries to get them so the stuff is not above hiding and waiting for you and it's intelligent enough to slide up the wall but it's not intelligent enough to do that on a non-stuffy? Like the guy who runs into that hotel room and starts attacking them is himself attacked by the stuff. But he's supposed to be a stuffy, right? So can the stuff really not tell who's a stuffy and who's not when it's just trying to attack a room full of people? It can, but the movie forgets. <laughs> that scene, by the way, where the stuff goes up the wall is so pain- it's so I watched the nightmare- I watched the nightmare on Elm Street two weeks ago and it is painfully obvious that it is not a similar set it is the exact same set it's the exact same room that turns around and twists around that um johnny depp and the other girl were killed in uh nancy were all killed in i think it was nancy (laughs) i'll have to go back and listen to my old episode but they use that same room for the stuff to be like sliding up the wall and down the wall and it's painfully obvious what they're trying to do. Where Wes Craven's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was this tasteful use of a groundbreaking technology used in a way with forced perspective that creates nothing but a terrifying situation. This has, like, the bed sheets are hanging, so it's obvious, like, what... This room is obviously upside down, and you just flipped it in post. It's it's pathetic. <laughs> this movie's fun, but, God, that, that moment is pathetic, where it leaps onto his onto Mo Rutherford's face and uh Nicole has to get like lantern oil and pour it on him it's just there's no fucking suspense I feel bad for Larry Cohen when I think about this he really just wanted to make a comedy and he was strong-armed into putting these uh horror scenes in it just just make the horror movie man you're getting paid So another thing, the movie spends so much time justifying how the stuff got to mass markets, despite nobody knowing what's in it and remaining successful, despite no one investigating what's in it. But that is such the least interesting part to me. But once again, it's him trying to make a commentary on like, oh, uh, all of these people, the person at the FDA and um, uh, all these other higher ups don't care as long as it's making them money baby they don't care if it's hurting people in fact uh they believe that it's good for people he uh, vickers feeds it to his dog and and Moe's even like well if you if you eat it and you feed it to your dog then it must be fine you know dogs with their historically picky eating habits no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm more interest. I'm less interested in how it got to mass markets or whatever, and I'm more interested in what it's doing to people. I want to see more scenes like the like uh, Jason's family. More of these uh, insular. What is it doing to the populace? And I want to see droves of stuffies used, like being used. They have manpower that the stuff could never do. The stuff doesn't have opposable thumbs. I want to see. I want to see like oh, this stuff is being introduced into uh, schools. They're like government things. Like, I want to see the stuff climb the ladder to try to control the world. And then we could have this corporate espionage guy come in and really try to tear it down. And it's really like, oh, wow, how deep does this go? But, but instead... <laughs> instead when when uh mo brotherford realizes and decides that the stuff must be evil why well because the town of stater virginia's deserted and i punched a dude's face and stuff came out and we found uh the postman hollowed out uh so obviously the stuff is evil and nicole b- believes him i fucking hate that scene <laughs> i hate every scene with nicole and mo together nicole is great mo is great but the fucking like idolization that Nicole has for Mo in every scene is so stupid. The first time they're introduced, Nicole is in charge of a commercial. Like I said, she is the marketing director for the company that marketed the stuff. She came up with the stuff, the title for it. And she's in the middle of a like high-profile commercial shoot. She's got all these beautiful models up on stage, and she's got a thousand people waiting on her every word to make sure that this commercial goes out on time and makes the client happy and everything thing and and mo rutherford walks in and tells everybody now hold on hold on i just got to take nicole i just got to take this sweet little thing away from her everybody take five y'all take five he tells he tells the whole crew to like stop what they're doing he belittles her authority in front of all of them and how does she respond she's a little turned on (laughs) This guy, he's got such a presence. He was able to walk in and he just commanded the room. Oh my, who is this gentleman? Without skipping a beat, she's like, oh my gosh, I'm a monster. I'm terrible for for putting that horrible product into all these people's homes. This is my fault. No, no, no. You did your job. You were doing your job really well and you have no reason to get down on yourself and quit your career now. You put a, a like... Disgusting white pudding on the map and made it a household name. Oh, but now you're sad and you feel like a monster because it, uh, because, because you heard it, uh, you heard from your boyfriend who went to Virginia that he found a hollowed out dude. The leaps in this movie just don't make sense. There's so many times in this movie where if you like take your eyes off of it or if you go to the bathroom and come back, it won't feel like the same movie. You'll feel like you missed a pivotal, enormous scene when in fact nothing actually happened that led these characters to believe anything. It just keeps, just things keep happening. They don't even show you what happens to Jason's family. It's a throwaway line at the end of the movie where we say, oh, he's lost his family to the stuff. And we're just supposed to go like, that that happened? Why didn't they throw their pints of the stuff into the fire with all the other people? Doesn't matter. if They were taken by the stuff, and now Jason's not a boy anymore. Like he said, I've been through a lot. <laughs> Fuck you, kid. You're still a kid. I don't care how much shit you've been through. I'll punch you in the fucking nards. <laughs> and so the stuff, like I said, is confusingly sentient. It can follow people it can fill a plane when jason's on a private plane and the postman comes back for no reason it can fill the plane and force jason to have to evacuate and run out of there it can climb out of a guy the postman and out the window and then back in through the window and back into the guy it can fill uh, a bed and it knows that people need to breathe so it will like try to suffocate them and somehow like change its consistency to be harder to remove from yourself it can attack by sliding up walls on him but it's it doesn't it doesn't do anything it The only person it kills that we see on screen is Chocolate Chip Charlie. And that one looks the most painful, Chocolate Chip Charlie's death. I love (laughs) when he's got his mouth all open and they zoom in. You can see these like little paint dots on his uh, upper mouth. You can see this just looks like a diorama that someone had to make. I really hope Garrett Morris got to keep a version of that in some way with his mouth all pulled open. I get what they're trying to go for. They're trying to go for what was that movie? There was that movie where, uh, I think it was Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland where like people would see their reflection and then the reflection would do something to themselves, and like mutilate themselves. but the person in the real world would experience it. And there was that one from the trailer where it's like, this woman is about to get in the bathtub so she looks at herself in the mirror and she's like "hmm I look good and then she walks away from the mirror but her b- reflection's still there and her reflection like reaches into her own jaw and starts pulling and trying to like break her jaw open and the woman in the bath's jaw starts breaking open that's what I feel like they were trying to go for with chocolate chip Charlie's big face but it it just looks silly and Andrea Marcovicci as good as she can <laughs> her, her attitude the whole time like he's like convulsing she's just like kind of bemused and like oh chart cut it out god stop it it's like like he's like like trying to stop her from uh cutting in line or something like oh, come on D- cut it out chocolate chip charlie <laughs> right up until he explodes <laughs> so anyway i want to make sure that i focus on Colonel. Sp- Beers, because he is one of the most problematic parts of this movie, in my opinion. He is openly racist, and all the other characters, all the other white and chocolate chip Charlie characters, <laughs> uh, are openly uncomfortable with him, but do nothing to tell him he's wrong. They are all very afraid of him, and they need his resources. He owns a radio station. He's in charge of a private militia of incels these like lanky little boys with assault rifles from like the 1940s are all hopping into taxi cabs as they ride into town square and cause mass panic it's a bonkers scene when they when they start pouring out of the taxi cabs with their machine guns and the people in town are like oh my god and they start running like crazy it's, it's bananas because what happens is Mo goes to Colonel Spears and says you know I believed you when uh, you were talking about people poisoning the water supply and stuff. You know they're doing that right now. They're doing that up the street. And he basically like brainwashes this racist, misogynistic, sexist, violent, megamaniacal, ex-military l- lieutenant colonel to use his privatized militia, fully armed... To go attack a privatized factory, to openly in broad daylight murder all of the employees at the factory because of hearsay. Because one gentleman told Colonel Spears that they're over there doing bad stuff, so you better go take care of it. Enough said, citizen. No questions asked. I will send all of my 16-year-olds there with all the ammo, my, all the ammo we have, and we will murder those wage-earning adults (laughs) at the factory. So, like, that's all Spears believes. I don't know how aware he is that they are are stuffies and that they're not people anymore. I don't know at what point in the movie Mo is so certain that, quote-unquote, stuffies are completely unsalvageable. I don't know who comes down and says, if you're a stuffy, they're already dead, so it doesn't matter if you mow them down. Like it's clear that it, might, it makes their bodies uh pliable, <laughs> and it makes their uh, skin fall apart sometimes if you hit them too hard, but I'm a human. That happens to everybody. If you do not, if you do not punch me, does my face not fall off? If you do not prick me, does stuff not come spewing from my wounds? So the military goes in and slaughters the place, just slaughters them. And in fact, the stuff like is afraid of them. It, it, it sends all of its dudes into a room and he even makes a joke. It's like they Jamestown them, themselves. They all went into a room and somehow killed themselves. I guess the stuff like all climbed out of them. I don't know. I don't know. But it it's so problematic because Spears is held up as the hero of this movie. He's like, the mo- God, the movie does its best to go like, oh man, isn't this guy crazy? Oh boy. But he is the hero and he does have the radio station and he does save the day. So, you know, I guess we should respect all of his repugnant, disgusting character traits since we need something from him. I, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that about this film. I hate that the military, cra- it's not even the military. It's a private crazy asshole with a million unregistered guns sending his incel army into a factory with no knowledge just to slaughter them all and he's the hero because he owns a uh, radio station and they go to the radio station and uh, he's able to use his like connections or whatever to send out a broadcast and this broadcast is <laughs> I don't even. I don't remember. I think he introduces himself. This is uh, this is Colonel this is Colonel Malcolm Grommet Spears, and I am telling you that if you have the stuff in your home, you must get rid of it. If it's in your kitchen, if it's in your fridge, if it's in your oven, I repeat, destroy it. And of course, people listen. Now this this is another significant leap of logic because a radio station, a privately owned radio station, maybe has a uh, like bandwidth all by itself i don't know what you call it but like a radius of you know several hundred miles or whatever the idea that this would be an internationally reaching uh (laughs) like solution uh i guess that's another question it is not shown if this is international it's it's really only in america but i have to imagine that it got over there somehow but the movie wouldn't be able to contain the the epidemic like it does so i think it's safe to assume that this is not international Regardless, one independently owned radio station that is publicly owned by a right-wing military guy is not going to be listened to by the greater nation, but it doesn't matter. Everybody hears the message, and of course, even if they're stuffies, even if they're half-stuffies, even if they've uh, maybe even not heard of the stuff, everyone is going out and joining the fight. They're throwing the stuff into the burning piles of fire, which... We've established at this point kills the stuff, but they wouldn't know that. They're just burning it in a big pile for fun because that's what you do when you get a recall on something. You get your entire town to come to the big lot so we can throw it all in a pile and, and burn it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more Nikes. We gotta get this mountain higher and higher so that Nike can smell it. Burn them all, burn them all. <laughs> And then the stupid tag at the end after they've saved the day is like the reveal that the ice cream man <laughs> who's who's working for big ice cream and hired Moe Rutherford to go investigate the stuff is secretly in cahoots with the stuff. So the ice cream guy hired and paid Moe Rutherford to investigate a person he was planning to go into business with regardless. Why was he trying to espionage him if the surprise twist was that they were always working together. I guess they weren't always working together, but they made a deal with the taste. (laughs) So, yeah, the stupid tag is that, oh, no, 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 no the stuff, yeah, that's totally out. No one's going to like that, but we've got a new product, the taste. It's only got 12% of the stuff (laughs) and more ice cream. So, yeah, they found a happy medium, but that is so Fucking confusing! I thought any amount of the stuff was bad. I thought, why, why, why is there a monetary gain for you? Is it because of the addictive qualities? But I, but the addictive qualities clearly don't work because people can just burn it once they hear a radio broadcast. It's so confusing, but it's not confusing for Mo and Jason because they know what to do. They walk into the room and they force these idiots to eat the stuff when. <laughs> If I was one of these two old guys who's like, oh no, I know what the stuff can do, don't do this. He's got a luger to my head and he's telling me to eat the stuff that I know will kill me in some horrible way. Just don't eat it. Just take the bullet. I guess he might shoot me in the knee, but why don't they just do that then and explain like, oh, okay, he's going to torture me to death. But even so, these, these situations in movies where it's like I've got a gun to your head and I'm going to kill you or you have to eat that hand grenade. Just kill me, dude. Whatever I do, you're going to kill me anyway. It's like Saw traps. Like come on, dude. There's no there's no s- solution to this. Just I'm just going to hang out here and wait for my ribs to explode when the timer goes off because there's no point in getting my hand burned. The key doesn't fit. <laughs> I love Saw 3. And then the last little like uh uh cherry on top of the uh Sunday that is this movie is the this le- the like heavy-handed messaging of it. If you I I love you guys. If you didn't get that this movie was about consumerism and capitalism and kind of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, (laughs) that's all, I'm not gonna call you anything, then you're a beautiful flower who deserves to bloom like the rest of us at whatever pace is right for you. I personally found it extremely heavy handed when Nicole goes on like a TV broadcast and addresses us, the audience, by saying, "'And they did listen.'" everywhere across the country they threw blah 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 blahs but then it pulls out and reveals that oh no she's also on a tv and her line is like because at the end of the day i'm selling you an apology i'm sorry and then it turns off i don't know what the fuck that psa was for but uh we're, we're finally getting to the themes of this movie the screaming themies if you will namely the Criticism of consumerism, the "enough is never enough" theme, and the the tagline that the stuff, the taste that makes you hungry for more, is supposed to reinforce this very Western American uh, Jesus virtue of consuming. Because that will help the economy, that if you just keep buying things and in such great quantities that not only will all of those individual items in their own way make you happy, it will also strengthen the economy, which is good for everybody. So it's your duty as an American citizen to go out there and buy, 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 overspend, overspend. You need surplus, overbuy, you need more of that. You have enough of that, you don't have enough of that. You need more, more, more. And that's what Larry Cohen is trying to, trying to say, oh, is that really the best way uh, that we should be living? Without actually making any kind of statement at all. (laughs) He's just showing us that like, oh yeah, I guess this is how we kind of treat um, our commodities. We see them as like this uh, bastion of hope and they're going to bring us uh, untold happiness while simultaneously uh, helping everyone around us in the economy. (laughs) Uh, it kind of ties, it doesn't kind of. It ties part and parcel into capitalism, the idea of the rich not giving two shits about the well known and documented effects. Uh, negative effects of the stuff since it makes them richer they don't care what it's made out of they don't care if it's good for you they don't care if it's bad for you all they know is that people want it and it's not their place to dictate the market if people want to smoke cigarettes and they want to keep killing themselves even though we've been forced to put on all of our packaging that this product will kill you then it's not our responsibility to stop selling it in fact it's the opposite we have a duty to keep selling a thing that people want Because that's the American dream, that you come to this country and you have the right to buy whatever you want, even if it kills you, if it makes you happy. And you should buy thousands of it in huge amounts, in crates, at Costco, with a Costco executive membership and they're just so evil cause they're so rich and they don't care about the negative effects of the stuff and they don't care that people are dying. I feel like that could have hit so much harder if we could have shown once again, droves of stuffies, like just give us the sheer number of people or, or more intimate events like the family being taken over. Like, Oh my gosh, families are being destroyed and the rich don't care at all. It, it could have been a lot stronger in my opinion. <laughs> um, these evil businessmen who intend to continue hurting people, who intend to continue hurting people with the stuff in the form of the taste afterward, even after everything's come out and they've been proven that it kills people, they're not done And they're so evil about it. And because this is a movie, they get punished for it because they openly admit that they're evil. But in the real world, people openly admit they're evil all the time. If this was the real world, if this was a documentary about the makers of the stuff and it was like, oh, God, remember when it came out that the stuff kills people? That it's a one-to-one, that if you eat the stuff, you literally die, and this company, like, went under and almost destroyed the entire world? Well, nothing happened. Remember when nothing happened? Remember when all of that stuff was super terrible, and then no one cared, and nothing happened? Hey... (laughs) And then finally, marketing, the idea that the people who discovered the stuff were somehow compelled to bring it to somebody who could market it to millions of people around the country and that people don't care if it's bad for you since so many people love it so much. That's, that's, that's what I was uh, hitting on with the marketing stuff. Um, it's got some similarities to Invasion of the Body Snatchers slash The Thing, with um, people like not really being themselves and dying from it, and the blob being that like it can coalesce into a sentient mass of itself. But I just want to finish up this episode by telling you my rating. I get to rate this movie on a scale of one to five thumbs, one being the worst and five being the best. I'm going to give the stuff two thumbs come on you guys it's it's better than some of the other movies i've given two thumbs but if i could give two and a half thumbs i'd give it to this one it's fun it's fun go watch the blob it's a better movie than this go 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 watch um invasion of the body snatchers or any of its remakes they're they're better than this i'm going to give one of my thumbs to Mo rutherford why they call me Mo? because every time someone gives me something they always want Mo. Well, sorry, Mo, I'm only giving you one thumb. And the other thumb I'm going to give to Chocolate Chip Charlie. <laughs> As the only black person in this movie who is also subjugated to blatant racism and none of the other characters stand up for him, I think the very least I could do is give him a thumb. Yeah. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Gory Days. You can follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at the Gory Days. You can check me out on YouTube or Twitch. You can donate to my Patreon. And that's it. (laughs) Until next time, stay scary out there. The Gory Days!